the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And it's another round of what we're calling Joe Talk because it's me, Joe Serpico, on one side of the mic. And on the other side, it's Joe Broback. What's up, my brother? Was this year three for us? Yes, it is. That's crazy. I know, right? Doesn't seem like I've been talking to you that long. Right? That's just wild. Yeah, there's been some good, some bad. Mostly good. <laughs> mostly a good. Lot, a lot of good. There you go. But, so the point of this episode, if you don't know, is we talked the American Athletic Conference. And we've decided, Joe actually came up with some games that we're going to play. So we're going to get it jumping right off the back. We're calling the Joe Talk Fantasy Challenge, and that's between me and Joe. We're going to take on, pick between six different guys. We each get to pick two apiece, and then we're going to see who has the better team at the end of the week. So, Joe, it's, uh, it's your shindig to run here, so I'll let you get it going. Um, so I think this week actually you get to go first. I get to go first. So, well, well, the six guys we're picking between, uh, Rondell Moore of Purdue, Cedric Bird from Hawaii, Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State, Reggie Robertson from SMU, Jerry Judy from Alabama, and Justin Jefferson from LSU. Who do you want, sir? I'm going to go... Oh, it's tempting to obviously go with Judy. But no, I'm going to go with the guy in the conference, Reggie Roberson. He's having a good year. He's having a really good year. Their offense is looking crazy good. So We're going we're gonna to talk them a we're, little bit. Gonna, we are. You, Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much, but yeah, um, we are. We're definitely going to talk them this week. Well, we have to at this point. Okay, All right, so, so you got the next two. Reggie, oh, I get the next two, okay. I see, I see you. Okay, so, Roberson's gone. Uh, I'll, not sticking within the conference, but they're playing a conference team. I'm going to take Tylen Wallace against Tulsa. Probably not a good pick, given my track record, but, you know, whatever, man. I'm just trying to win. I'm just trying not to lose to the ghost team. Not going well so far. Number two, oh boy. You know, I feel like I have to pick the Jerry Judy just because he's the best on this list, and I'm going to, I'm just going to kick myself if he goes off and I don't pick him. I don't blame you for that whatsoever, because if you weren't taking him, I was going to gladly snatch him up. (laughs) I figured you would. I would gladly snatch the top two guys up real quick. All right, so I got a decision to make between Moore, Bird, and Jefferson, right? Correct. Who's got the best matchup? If you're looking at best matchup, it's Jefferson. Well, but the other thing I, is, how long is he going to play? Yeah, that's that's the concern, exactly. So I'm actually going to go with uh, Cedric Bird. Cedric Cole Bird. McDonald to target him Early and often. All right. Going with a little G5 lineup. I like that. Yeah, somebody's got to stick to uh, the point of this show. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Okay, so that means Rondell Moore and who's left over? Oh, Justin Jefferson. 
go to the ghost team. They'll, they'll probably put up 200 yards apiece. Yeah, and you're, let's see, so you're winning. You're at 70 points. I have 40, and the ghost team has 39. And Ooh, right on your tail, buddy. By the end of the week, you will be losing to the ghost team. So enjoy it while you can. Dope. Maybe you'll just get a little bit further away from the ghost team. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We will see. All right. Let's dive into what happened last week. And which one do you want to get us started with, Joe? Because well, let's start with let's start with um because I'm not the sure if I hundred you sent over the the agenda for this week and I, there's one of them I'm not really sold on. Well, let's start with the first one because it's okay. Uh, that's that's the it, one I'm talking about. It's it's. So the first thing that we have is that the power six takes a hit, and it's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily like the power six movement or AAC necessarily. It just it wasn't a good week, you know, and that's not that's kind of a short term thing. But you had four power five matchups this week, and you went 0 and 4, and that's just not. Good. Now, at the same time, you had three matchups against other group of five teams, and you went 3-0. So, while you did not separate yourself, I guess, but you did make sure that you won all three games against the other power five, or, excuse me, group of five teams, you also laid, laid an egg against four power five teams. And this probably encompassed the second point of one of the teams that lost, but it just it it wasn't a good showing for the conference, and it's sad when you you look at it and you just have to say that UConn looked the best against a Power Five team. I mean, no arguments with that. I mean, well, Ohio State okay, showed they were did. totally out in front. Yeah, that was over before yeah, yeah. halftime. That was yeah, like you just said there. But Tulane at least held their own in that, especially in that yeah, first half. Yeah, that's why I said Tulane was probably the best team. Even like they lost twenty four to six, but it's against yeah. Auburn, so yeah. I mean, I think that I mean and that Auburn has its own questions that they're talking about now too. But you know, other than Cincinnati, I don't think you can really complain about what happened in any of these games. Other than I mean, we're going to talk about USF too because they're just a flat out mess altogether. But UConn didn't embarrass themselves against the Power Five team. Well, the, yeah, and here's the thing: they were up, they were thirteen nothing, and then they they gave up twenty four points in the second quarter to Illinois, and that did them in. But I don't know. It's kind of I think because you and I have just trashed UConn for so long that it's become a expectation that they're just going to get killed, and they only lost by what eight points. Mm-hmm. So I think, is it disappointing? Yeah. Should they have won that game? I honestly, with how things were going, yeah, they should have won that game, which is surprising, but it's still disappointing to have them go up 13 and then just choke it away. Oh, I mean, nobody expected them to win. I think maybe even Illinois did one of those things where they probably, you know, were like, haha, we're playing UConn, and then, you know, UConn jumps on them real quick, and then they wake up a little bit. Right, and well, I will say that UConn's defense so far has looked so much better than last year. Last year they're giving up 600 yards a game, and now they're giving up like 
270, 280. So that could be that could make a big difference going forward. We shall see. It's only two games in for all these teams now. Some have more concerns than others. I guess let's dive into topic number two, and that is what is going on with USF? After two weeks, they're averaging five points a game. The offense looks god-awful, specifically the offensive line. I mean, you got to almost feel bad for Blake Barnett because he has zero time to get a pass off whatsoever. Well, and he got benched, and it's not his fault. That's the worst part. Is mm-hmm. now there's, there's talk of a quarterback controversy down there this week. Right, which, is, which isn't fair. And that's the, that's the thing with quarterback controversies and quarterback competitions is there's so many things that go into it, and clearly it has nothing to do with the fact that Barnett's not a good quarterback. It is the fact that he is literally running for his life every he, single play. He leads the team in rushing. That's a problem. Right. And he only has 39 yards. It's not like he's like a running quarterback that's out there, you know, picking up 100-yard games like that. Right. And the they, team as a whole just can't get anything going. Right. And there, that's two games in a row now that the offense is laid an egg, and the defense at least looked a little bit better. Granted, it's against Georgia Tech, so let's just rein it back a little bit when we're freaking out about how good the defense was. But you know, they came to play and they gave their team a chance and. The offense only puts up 10 points. Like, that's just, that's not going to cut it. And it, I know there are people who will say that, oh, it was, it was two losses against Power 5 teams. And granted, Wisconsin's going to be a good team this year from what we've seen. But Georgia Tech's not that great. So the fact that you can only score 10 points against them, maybe that has more to, we should be, you know, commending Jeff Collins and his efforts. But I just don't think that's, you can't just, like, make excuses for a team that's not doing well. No, they've got – I mean, like you said, you can give them a little bit of credit for what they did on defense, but, again, we kind of talked about last week how uh, Georgia Tech is switching from an option team to a pro style, so they're not really fit to run that. So we everybody knew they were going to have offensive inefficiencies this year. USF, you would have thought at least like, – I mean, like I said – just 10 points on the year. That's all they've got. And granted, like you said, Wisconsin is actually has blanked both teams they've played so far this this season. But it's this is a program that you know they wanted to schedule big games, and they've got and big games being against Power Five opponents, and and in two games they've embarrassed themselves a little bit. Yeah, and it's weird. Well, we, I think you and I even at the beginning of the year thought that. They wouldn't beat Wisconsin. We didn't think that, but we I think we thought that they had a good chance. I think we both of, picked them to win this game, to be honest. Probably, yeah, to be honest. Because we, you know, we said that they weren't going to beat Wisconsin. That wasn't going to happen. But given what Georgia, Georgia Tech's current status, we we thought that USF had a good chance of winning this one. And that's It clearly hasn't been the case that they, they, have a, they had a shot, and especially with that offense and Barnett running for his life. And then another thing, I, I mean, I touched on it last week because it was a big deal, but then the numbers exactly the same this week. Nine penalties again this week for 95 yards after having nine penalties last week as well. I mean, that talks about some, you know, that – I don't know if you really want to call that discipline issues or is that coaching issues. Like, there's something clearly wrong there as well. Yeah, and well, and with all the changes that Charlie Strong made in the offseason, you would think that – 
I, I don't know. Maybe that maybe it's a transition period for this team, and they got to figure things out. But I tell you what, that the offensive line, uh, the number of penalties that needs to get fixed immediately because it's going to be a long season if that continues. And they also have eight fumbles on the year. The ball is hit the ground eight times. Three, only three have been lost, but eight. You know what I mean? Like this team is. It's not doing well on offense whatsoever. They've got a whole lot of issues they need to figure out. Right, and if you want to look at at you know there's the eye test versus you know who you're playing, and granted we will give you know USF's lost to two Power Five teams, and while that's all great and everything that you played a Power Five team or two Power Five teams, they haven't looked remotely competent on either side of the ball you know, at, at any given point during both of the games. And you're looking at it in a division that has UCF, who's just dominating. You put Cincinnati and Temple in the mix, and they're doing just fine as well. And then even ECU and UConn have looked better. They may not have played as good a competition, but they've looked better playing their games. And so there there is some merit to building momentum even if you're beating bad teams so while usf might be playing better teams right now they don't have any chemistry especially on offense and teams like uconn that just gave illinois a run for their money and ecu who appears to be headed in an upward direction those teams have a chance to beat usf because there are there's definitely some issues in that locker room something's going on whether you know they're just not gelling well together i don't know what it is but that's another thing to watch out for i'm not saying that uconn and ECO are for sure gonna beat usf but at this point i'd be concerned of getting caught by those two teams given just how they're playing right now yeah they're gonna be tough to gauge heading into conference play they do have a, a non-conference game this week but that's against south carolina state so they should get on the board Get on the board, yeah. Get those numbers up a little bit, but then we'll see just how good it actually gets. All right, let's talk about the team who's arguably, well, not to me, maybe to, maybe to some people, but team that just, as after two weeks, has pulled off two pretty solid G5 wins, and that being SMU looking pretty, pretty good. With Shane Boucher at quarterback. Michelle. I got it right that time. You, God, yeah. There you go. Bobby Boucher. That's the one I just get my name on. <laughs> just call, call him Shane Bobby Boucher, and then we'll be all right. All right. I like that. He might like that, too. <laughs> Dude, I know you've been on them for – I mean, you thought last year was their year, and they disappointed you, but I, I think you and I both were – you stayed on their train, and, and I, you know, I'm right there with you, but – I'm just very surprised at how well things have gone. And, you know, it's Sonny Dykes. It was his second year. And then you have Shane Bouchelle at quarterback. And Xavier Jones emerges or returns back to his 2017 form. And then you have a plethora of wide receivers that are getting open for Bouchelle. So I think I think the, the result this week surprised me against North Texas. But at the same time, it's kind of sends a warning to the West Division, like, hey, we're legit this year, so watch out. Yeah, after uh, last week's, we were talking about Tulane being the team that could be a threat. 
in the West. I mean, don't count out SMU now either. They can score some points, it looks like, after two weeks. Yeah, I mean, they're they're ready to go. They are ready. They hit the ground running to start the year, and I mean Tulane took a hit. They're playing Auburn, so you can't really fault them for doing that. But yeah, SMU deserves to be in that conversation just as much as Tulane does. It's gonna be an interesting four four man race. Cause I don't think we, I think we can both agree that Navy and Tulsa don't stand a, stand a shot. Well, but the other four teams, I can uh, see any of them being. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think Tulsa, you and I can agree for now. I don't know. Beating San Jose State by 18 didn't really do much for me. Same. Navy, I think you and I are still believing that our preseason predictions are correct. But they've only played one game against an FCS team. So I think it's kind of too... Well, it's I, I know it's too early to determine what the team they're going to be, but... I'm still confident as as you are in our four team race. Yeah, I'm, it's hard to imagine either one of those teams getting in there. Just be based on what the aforementioned teams, at least what we think, are going to be able to do, at least offensively. I guess some you is scoring points and bushes. Tulane in that first game showed that they can, and then we know what Houston and Memphis can do. Yeah, what they're capable of if they can figure things out or if Houston can put together a full game and if Memphis doesn't let teams like Southern hang around for too long. Yeah, that was uh, a little concerning at first, the first half. Then they finally turned on the Jets a little bit. But it's like yeah. they can only play one good half of football. They're going to have to change that. Otherwise, like we just said... Somebody else is going to be taking that crown over there finally That's out of their true. hands and making me look bad for my preseason prediction. <laughs> Whatever, man. Life goes on. I am I just like to be right sometimes. Come on now. All right. I guess that's it for last week. Let's get into our over-unders before we dive into our week two previews. Let's do it, man. All right, you want me to start, I guess? I'm killing you. Are you? I don't even know. You didn't send me the results this week. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I should probably do that, I guess, instead of just making up numbers. So, we did... So, he, since we started this, if you get... This is another thing for you when you're picking things for me to pick, is if you get one of the numbers correct, like on the dot... Your score goes to zero. It doesn't matter what your other picks are off. You go, your score goes to zero for that week. So your number of wins for the AAC, I picked six, and they got six. So I'm at Damn. zero. Damn, I picked a bad one there, huh? Yeah, which I didn't realize. Uh, I didn't I've, got realize another, was... I've got another one this week that might put you back to zero, but we'll see. I, I, I gave, I'm giving you another one, too. It's not as easy as, as last week, but uh, I like to give you a softball every once in a while. But So I'm at zero. You're at plus 320. So not Woo. bad. Not bad. You might want to undershoot some of these uh, numbers, but we'll see. All right. Who's starting, me or you? Uh, I'll go first. I got right. you. Hopefully we don't have the same one. All right. Well, and if, if we do, pick a new one. <laughs> All right. So I'm copying yours from last week, but 
but it's a little more difficult with the number of uh, difficult games the AAC has this week. So, number of wins for the AAC this week. Oh, i got to look at the games now. You better look at the games. You better be ready. It's going to be a tough one. Number of wins for the AAC. Which is obviously they're going to get one because ECU and Navy play each other. This is tough because there are games that you could you can flip a coin on. You know, like Washington State should beat Houston, but you never know. Maryland should beat Temple this week, but again, you never know, given what happened last year especially. Stanford and UCF could be a great game. Eight. Eight. Whoa. Eight. Just out of curiosity, who are your eight? Tulane, SMU, USF, okay. Memphis, okay. somebody in the Navy ECU game. Fair. UCF, Cincinnati, then either one of Houston or Temple. Okay, there you go. I actually like that pick. I didn't think you were going to get eight, but now that you say it, wow. Dang. All right. I like it. Confident. Mm, Got it. All right. Pick number two. The number of points that Maryland's going to score against Temple. And I know this one's going to be hard for you because God of your homerism. I, I do have a similar one for you. Perfect. I like it. But you'll figure that out. All right. So, number of points that Maryland's going to put up against Temple. That was what you said, right? Correct. Temple's going to put them back to earth with all that scoring. I know that. Um, well, what is the, Maryland's outscoring everyone. They're outscoring their opponents like 162 to 20. Yeah. Like, two weeks. Who they play? Exactly. They played Syracuse. They will put up 30 points this week. 30 points this week. Okay. Okay. Number three. Big game coming up on Friday. I'm a little concerned for it, but we'll see what happens. So, Washington State, known for their passing, once again, found their quarterback, it seems. So how many yards will Washington State pass for as a team? I'm including in case the starter gets hurt and whatnot. Houston's defense, we don't know crap about. We don't know much about Houston, to be completely yeah. honest. Mm. As a team, you said? Yeah, as uh, a team. So it's probably just going to be one guy, but I just, you know, in case there's an injury, just to make it fair, I guess. 360. 360. I hope, honestly, I feel like that would be a good number for Houston at this point, given their struggles 360 he says yep alright and my final one UCF has that big matchup against Stanford how many rushing yards do they get for it as a team against a Stanford defense that's allowing 104 per game 195 All right, I like it. 
I like it a lot. I do too. All right, you ready for me? All right, let's do it. First, smallest number. Got news this week that uh, Daryl Mack is back from a broken ankle. So my question to you is, number of quarterbacks we see for UCF this week? Oh, oh this is a good one. You told me you had good ones. Oh, man. Number of quarterbacks for UCF. Uh, he's back this week. I'm going to say... you got to pick between three. That's the thing. I'm, so I'm picking the number... So if they play Wimbush and Gabriel, that's just two. You're, I'm picking that would be two, right? Obviously. I'm just picking... Okay. I don't think Max is going to play. I'm going two. I'm worried you're going to hit the spot on, but whatever. Nah, whatever. I'm, I'm hoping that Gabriel sees all the action again. Quarterbacks, none of that, because I saw somebody threw a pass last week, but that was I don't think it was a quarterback. You can verify that, but I'm pretty sure it was not, unless it was like the fourth uh, stringer. I think, I think you're right. I don't think Gabriel was, you know, great. He was like, what, 7 of 19? Yeah, Quadri Jones. I think he's a wide receiver. Okay, oh, he is exactly. A quarterback. Oh, damn it. Whatever. He doesn't count in the three. <laughs> it's got to be one uh, of those three. That's, well, okay. You did, then, yeah, well, you and I will have a, a verbal agreement. It's between Mac, Gabriel, and Wimbush. So you said two? Two. All right, two it is. Got to hope I play all three. <laughs> all right, so this week is the first conference game between Navy and ECU, so total number of points scored between those two teams. Oh, boy. Navy makes it difficult to pick this. I know. They always do, especially because, like, we were just talking about this, how – Navy's only played one game, and it was against an FCS team that they dominated. But what does that mean? I have no idea. And ECU struggled against NC State, but then they dominated another FCS team. So I don't know. Uh, Okay, points for Navy and ECU. I'm going to go with 42. Don't ask me a final score. I don't know. That's a low number. Not as low as I was expecting, to be honest. Well, here's the thing. I figure that if Navy's legit, they're going to give ECU fits with their triple option, and they're going to take a lot of time off the clock, and it's going to be low scoring. But if Navy sucks, which we're still waiting to see, then I think ECU scores a lot of points, and then I'm screwed. But since UCF's only going to use two quarterbacks, my score is going to still be at zero, so it doesn't matter. So you're sticking with? Sticking with 42. Just All going right. with my gut. Hmm. All right, for my next one, which one do I want to go with first? I'll do this one. We talked a little bit earlier about USF and their struggles on offense. They do get an FCS opponent this week. 
So my question to you is, how many passing yards for Blake Barnett? Oh, man. Because I just saw that he and what's-his-face back up, Jordan McLeod, are in a quarterback battle, and we just talked about this. This is is stupid. I hate your pick. Oh, boy. I'm going to go with... i got to do something now. Now that I know that I give you a zero. <laughs> I'm going to go with, oh boy, 170, just because I think both of them are going to play. Ooh. Well, if they're in a quarterback competition, they're not going to figure that out in one week, given how bad the offense has been. So they're both going to play. I still feel like that's high, but whatever. 170. Sticking with it. All right, then. Then I'll finish it off with this one. It was a little bit similar to the one you asked me earlier, but you asked me the total number of points that Maryland would score. I'm asking you the total number of yards that the Terps will put up against Temple. They're averaging 636 this year. Well, if I'm going to be 636. Uh boy. I think, well, it might be close to that. I'm going to go with... 465. You and I have very different opinions of this game, I think. Eh, 465 could get you 30 points. You guess 30 points. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 465. They're not going to... 636 is a crap ton of yards. That's UConn other way pace. Seriously. Not many teams do that. Sweet. All right. So that's it for the over-unders. Perfect. Get ready to lose again. Yeah, well, I think, like I said, one of those was a cupcake for you. Well, yeah, now you know. That's all right. I knew I was going to – I was really hoping for it to be three. I'm really still hoping for it to be three. Well, we'll find out. Early in the season, too. You don't have to worry about losing right now because it can always change. That is very, very true. All right. Let's end the show with a preview of what's ahead this week. There's a couple. I mean, we talked about a few of them a little bit already, but we can just go through them all real quick. Um, Friday night is a night for the AAC to uh, make a name for themselves again when Houston welcomes. Well, I, I'm not really sure you call it welcome. They're, they're not playing at home. They're playing at NRG Stadium. But Close enough. Close enough, exactly. Hosting Washington State, the 20th team in the country, 2-0. I mean, they have won by scores of 58-7 and 59-17 to so far. Um, now, to be fair, Bama put up 62 against New Mexico State. And, yeah, it's just uh, for Houston – I don't know. They've, they've signed themselves up for some good games to come out of this gate. That's for damn sure. It's hard to... Uh, I don't know what to say here. Really hard to... Uh, well, it's just the wrong team for the this yeah, kind of schedule. Exactly. Um, we like a lot about DR King, but can he keep up with... You know, We saw what happened against Oklahoma, and he struggled to keep up with them. And then you talked about earlier, Washington State's passing offense is 
one of the best in the country. So can he keep up with this team as well? Hopefully. I mean, obviously that's the hope. Maybe being a, a home, again, not really a home game because it's not at the stadium. They're playing this at NRG Stadium for obvious reasons, hoping that those Washington State fans show up there. Yeah, and the last time they played at NRG Stadium, they beat uh, Oklahoma in 2016. So that is, that is very that true. magic comes back, but... I think Houston fans were expecting a lot more from this team. And like I said, it's the wrong team for this kind of schedule because they're still trying to figure out things with the coaching staff. And granted, they could very well figure things out. But right now, it just appears to be the wrong team for this this difficult of a schedule. And it's unfortunate that that's the case because you also have a yeah the quarterback in Deer King that's one of the best in the country. And he's also trying to... Not only learn a new system, but learn learn a new mentality, and that is one of he's going to stick in the pocket and he's going to try to beat teams with his arm and take less hits when he starts running. And you can tell right now it's awkward for him because he sticks in the pocket, and you can tell when his brain switches to "Okay, I got to run," and then immediately switches back to "No, we can't do that anymore. We got to stick it out." And it's just not a smooth transition yet. And Washington State is back to being a top 25 team. And they have a they have a passing attack that's lethal. And Houston's still trying to figure things out defensively. They get no pass rush. Their secondary still needs some work. There's definitely a lot of promise, but they still need some work. I mean, they just had who they just, Prairie View A&M just threw for 280 on them which isn't great. Washington State is much better than that. So there's just a lot of concerns about Houston's team going forward. And I would just say to fans that just be patient. Like, it is disappointing that they have this type of schedule and they don't have the right team to compete in it. But I think if you look at the big picture and what Dana Holgerson's trying to do, they're going to like what they see down the road. Yeah, um, give me so the spread is eight and a half. Do you see Houston covering that? Uh, well, I liked it better when it was nine and a half. Not, I guess eight and a half just is, is a sign that things might be going down. I think it's gonna be closer than a lot of people think. Uh, you mentioned before, well, Washington State's played who? They played who? UTEP and they played North, New Mexico State and Northern Colorado. That's or who North Colorado, yeah, whatever that's right. it is. Yeah, like. I don't know. It's one of those it's tough to see how they can pull it off. I, well, here's the thing. Washington State always has a game every year where they look completely awful and not like themselves. Granted, it's you know towards the middle of the season, but Houston has an opportunity to force turnovers and make this you know make this a game early. And I know that their offense can, can they can compete with anybody, but you know, it's just a matter of how far along in their transition we just talked about they are. So I'll say yes that they can cover, but there's I don't know. That's just the optimist to me. Alright, let's move on to the biggest game of the week. That being Temple versus Maryland. Ha I'll be there. 
I'll be there for this one, obviously. I, For those who don't know, I live in Maryland. I've covered Maryland games a couple times over the past few years. And this week I will be in the box for Temple. So it is a 12 p.m. start that you can see on CBS Sports Network. The Terps are a – this line keeps moving. I've seen it. Seven and a half, eight, eight and a half. I was, it keeps bouncing all over the place. We'll see how it ends up once things finally kick off at noon on Saturday. But for me, you know, it, it's kind of tough for me to, like I said earlier, I said 30 points for uh, Maryland. Maryland being the road team, uh, getting ready to do the preview for this game. And, you know, something that I, you know, because I was at the game last year, actually, as a member of the, uh, of the media. And, it was a game where, I mean, Temple really dominated Maryland right out of the gate, to be honest. And I don't think it's going to be necessarily the same this year. I think Maryland, with Mike Loxley at coach, is found ways to use what he has there at Maryland. I mean, Josh Jackson being there at quarterback has just uh, obviously been a phenomenal uh, transition for them. It's worked out really well for them. But then on the other side, for Temple, we're still trying to figure out what they are. I mean, yeah, they dominated Bucknell week one, but they had this bye week this week. So I guess, yeah, maybe a little bit of an advantage for them. They've got um, some extra time to study Maryland. But what what you have seen from Maryland is a, a lot of points, obviously. I mean, or 50-plus every game they've played so far this year. Um, you expect that over Howard. I don't think either one of us would have thought that they would put up that many points against Syracuse, right? No, especially with everybody expecting Syracuse to compete with Clemson, I guess, in that game. Maybe not necessarily in the conference, but, you know, Dino Babers brought that program to a level that people expected them to keep, and they still might, but they obviously couldn't hold up, and... Maryland took it to him, but I think I remember D, like when DJ Durkin was the head coach, like he was bringing in top 30 recruiting classes, so he was bringing yes. dudes in. Yes, and, he was. You know, granted, everything happened you know off the field, and we don't have to discuss that because it's just a terrible situation. But uh, I think, well, and you look at they bring in those, you know, bring all these recruits in, and then they put in a system that lets those guys use their skill sets and do what they are capable of doing. And it's a little bit of an outlier, these first two games of the explosiveness of the offense, but I don't think that they're going to die down a ton and Temple's going to see that. And like you said, what do we, what is, who is Temple right now? What are they about? And is, I don't know. And I we, don't yeah, know. we don't know. And I'm the Temple guy and I don't know. Right, and you know, one thing you and I talked about coming in this year is Anthony Russo and the quarterback situation. Is he going to be able to keep the job after a couple of years of, you know, Frank Newtel coming in and taking the job and then losing it the next year, and now Anthony Russo's he takes over the job and uh, first week throws for over 400 yards, but that's against an FCS team. So, yeah, I it's. It's tough to say because we don't know anything about Temple, and Maryland's just off to this uh, really hot start. So, to me, I think Maryland covers because I think they're just that much better than 
Temple. I think they're way better than whatever it might be, eight points right now. I think the last I saw it, they're way better than that. But we also we also don't know what Temple's going to be about. And granted, we thought we knew what Temple was going to be about last year when they lost their first two games and then they beat Maryland. So I don't know. Who knows now? Yeah, this like I said before, this Maryland team is completely different it's with Loxley and Justin Jackson. The the transfer, or excuse me, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson, yes, Josh Jackson, the Virginia Virginia Tech transfer. I mean, they've gotten off to this incredible start. But Maryland, you remember this same Maryland team that beat Texas last year, you know? I, did you see that sign this past week from on College Game Day that they, they want Maryland? They should yeah. want Maryland right now if you're Texas. <laughs> yeah. But oh. Temple, to get it back to them, I, I don't know. I I I have faith. Obviously, I have to be I have to be that guy on this freaking episode, right? You the Temple be. is, is going to get this win. I picked a I picked thirty for Maryland. I picked thirty three for Temple. Thirty-five, 33-35. I I came away very impressed. Yeah, it was against Bucknell, but I came away very very impressed with with the offense. At least the way they want to move tempo wise. Uh, if you brought up the quarterback situation the past couple of years, I think uh, Russo at least from the start solidified that he can run that and. They barely even had a ground game in that first game. So I think that Tumble is going to be able to pull that off for me. They're going to be that, that eighth win that I talked about earlier. We'll see. I disagree, not, but we'll if, see. If not, Houston is going to be that team. I just don't think Temple is going to embarrass themselves. Like They're they're not going to let up another 50-plus game. I'd be surprised if, if Maryland gets in the 40s as well. Yeah, we'll find out That's, because after after last week with the next team we're going to talk about, it wasn't looking good for this conference against Power 5 competition. Okay, well, I, that is um, Cincinnati. They got a home game against Miami of Ohio, who is 1-1 one one this year. Uh, the Bearcats are 16.5-point favorites. If you're interested in watching it, it is on ESPNU. Um, so... Like I said, that line, 16.5, Cincinnati. Looking for a major bounce-back game after, honestly, getting embarrassed. I mean, can can we be honest about that? We, I think we all expected Cincinnati to put up some kind of a fight against Ohio State. This was a terrific opportunity for Cincinnati to make a little bit of noise, maybe not just the recruiting, but maybe nationally, you know what I mean? Like, at least keep it a little bit interesting. Nope. I guess this was, you know, we kind of talked about before. This was this was the one game that was a hit to the power six because they arguably the second or third best team in the AAC laid up a major dud against Ohio State, who is a perennial playoff team at this point, let's be honest. They always seem to be there, especially since Michigan really – Almost gave it to them if they would have lost the Army. Yeah, it's, it was that, frustrating. The way, the way Army lost that game, getting too cute, passing in the red zone there, just run the ball. 
you win that game. Yeah, it's uh, tough on both ends. I wanted Army to win that one so bad, but can't pull it out. And Cincinnati is just... I mean, you and I, you and I know that they weren't going to be as good this year as they were last year, simply just based on, like, there's no surprise factor anymore. And did we think they were going to win? No, but it's still disappointing because they didn't put up any points. They moved the ball a little bit, but, it, yeah, overall just very disappointing in the result. And, I mean, Miami of Ohio plays them tough too, so they got to really come out strong and prove that they're moving on from last week, a game that they weren't supposed to win. And they can beat a team that's not that shouldn't be in the same conversation as them. Yeah, if if they don't make a statement in this game, then I think next week we're talking about completely different things here. We have to start worrying about a little bit about Cincinnati. But then arguably the next biggest game for UCF to really maybe make a statement. I mean, I'm, the rest of the season against the AAC, which is a not a power conference according to some voters. So UCF's last statement of the season is against Stanford, a 3:30 kickoff on ESPN. The Knights are a seven and a half point favorite. And little nugget that I can bring up here: so if Houston gets the win against Washington State. And then UCF gets the win over Stanford. The AAC is 3-0 and versus the Pac-12 this year. And then, I don't know, I think me and you both think that the AAC is kind of on par with the Pac-12, but there's just, for some reason, they get consideration over our teams. Well, Hawaii's 2-0 and against the Pac-12, so... Oh, well, I know that. I'm going to talk about that a little bit, too. Yeah, it's, a little later this week. Well, obviously the Houston games we just talked about is up in the air, but uh, it's uh, well. Here's the thing: UCF favored by well, last thing I saw was seven and a half against Stanford. Yep. Favored by seven and a half. Like think how far UCF's come in the last three years. You go from a a team that didn't win any games to six and six to thirteen and zero, twelve and one, and now the tides have turned against Stanford. This isn't like Oregon State or Arizona. Like this is Stanford. And granted, they're one and one, but they're favored by over a touchdown against against Stanford. I'm gonna keep saying it because it's like that mind blowing. In comparison, when they played uh, USC last week, pretty sure that line was. Anywhere between one and a, one point and three points, somewhere ranging in that line. Right. It's just it, it's wild to me that this is how far we've come, and there's still a long ways to go. But the fact that they're favored by over a touchdown, like a, a touchdown, is you know, ten points is why it's still a close game. But like the fact they're favored by over a touchdown against a team of Stanford's caliber is just incredible and it's another opportunity for UCF to show that they're legit and you know the the voters which there seems to be no poll that I like anymore but the voters continue to just disrespect UCF and I'm convinced they could win 
a hundred to zero in every game and they still wouldn't have a shot because people just are so biased. But you know, take it to Stanford and give people another reason to believe in this program. Yeah, this is the one game for the conference to maybe finally get some love a little bit. Blow them out of the water. Yeah. Like literally just Yeah. Like no mercy. If there's never you know, I don't know if they have any mercy. I guess technically there you know, there's no such thing, but even if you're up thirty five points with the backups in there, you still hammer this team. You have to make a statement if you're UCF in this game. For the whole G five too. Right. And uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say how they're many... going to do it against David Shaw because, let's be honest, David Shaw's a genius and he's going to have this team ready to play. And they get KJ Costello back. but Oh, he is back this week? Yeah. I'm not sure about that. Uh, they they He's back, but their left tackle, Walker Little's out for the year, which really sucks for them. But, yeah, UCF, take it to them. Let them know what's up. Like you said, the line should tell it all. The Knights are making some some waves in in all of college football. So hopefully they live up to the billing there. If they win by a good – even a 20-point win, I think, does wonders for the conference. Even Especially after the dud at Cincinnati the left last week. Yeah, it's a good time to rebound. Exactly. All right, now let's go through the rest of the slate pretty quickly here because there's really outside of maybe one game there's really not a whole much to uh look forward to this week oklahoma will be at tulsa that's a 330 start on espn2 okay state is a 14 point favorite in this game um tulsa is a team that i mean i've you made like a perfect assessment of Tulsa earlier when you were talking about what they did against San Jose State. Like, there's really not much to cage off of a win like that. Like, it's nothing impressive about that whatsoever. And then we're just going to assume that an OK State team that is in the Big 12 is going to kind of have their way with them. But again, Tulsa's kind of hard to figure out. Because they seem like they could play a little bit of defense, and we'll see if uh, they're able to maybe slow down the Cowboys a little bit. Yeah, they. Well, what they did against Michigan State was what they should have done, honestly. But Michigan you know, State, I think, is terrible. By the way, their offense is just yeah, oh, hard to bad. watch. It is yeah. bad. I don't Which, know why they're. Fine. Which is frustrating because they they could be so good, but yeah, we don't need to get into Michigan State so proper here. But Tulsa just doesn't have the firepower to stay with Oklahoma State. They you know their offense may be able to do a few things, but they're not gonna be able to score at the rate that the Cowboys are. And that's really all you need to know about that game. All right, the game I the I think we should spend the most time on moving forward, only because. It is the first conference game of the season. I mentioned it earlier. That's ECU versus Navy. Navy is a seven-point favorite in this one. You can watch it on CBS Sports Network at 3.30. Um, 
we know why this game is early in the docket for 32 teams. Usually conference games don't start until after this week. But Navy has to kind of fill out their schedule a little bit differently than everybody else, so hence why we have this. Uh, you mentioned earlier, only seen one game out of Navy. I'm not too high on them this year. I can't remember exactly your prediction, but I know it's not a bowl team. Meanwhile, you I do think the ECU could be a bowl team. But Navy's the favorite in this one, so I have to ask, which way are you leaning? Uh, I'm picking ECU to win this game. I'm pretty sure I picked them in the preseason, and I'm not. Like you with SMU, I'm not backing out now, and I think that they'll they'll embrace the underdog role, and I think everybody's still doubting them, and Mike Houston's going to get them ready to play. Navy's not where they need to be, even though they, they dominated in week one, and ECU's going to win. Pretty sure I picked ECU to win this game, too, because I have numbers to hit for Navy's under. Yeah, pretty sure I did, actually. There we I go. remember correctly. Yeah, so ECU. All right, uh, to go through the rest, granted, it's there's they're all big favorites. So let's just dive through this real quick. So Memphis is a 19-point favorite on the road at South Alabama, the game is also at 3.30. You can see it on ESPNU. Um, Memphis just needs to make sure they don't get off to a slow start, and then they should have their way in this one. Yeah, even if Patrick Taylor's not in, they have the guys to to win this one with ease, and I don't know. It would be disappointing if this one's even close. USF, a 24.5-point favorite against South Carolina State, a 6 p.m. kickoff. And if you want to watch it, it's on the ESPN app. Does USF cover that 24.5-point spread? Well, given how things have gone so far, and we said they're averaging five points a game, I say... No, but it's South Carolina State, so maybe this is maybe they take their frustrations out this weekend. You would kind of hope so for the whole for the whole program. They they need some help. They need something. All right, then it's SMU seven o'clock start on ESPN three against Texas State. They are a seventeen point favorite. Do you feel like that's low? I thought I SMU have, would be I have, favored by more. I haven't done my research yet. Right, but well, here, here's one for your underdogs against the spread. Take SMU. All right, I'll keep it in mind. No, you're gonna put it in there. When it comes to um, Dinero, I don't take anybody's suggestions but my own. Whatever, man. Your loss. But they'll be there, maybe. We'll see. I've got to do some. It's a good one, that's for I sure. I have my research that I have to do. There you go. Well, and when the, you do your research, you'll find that you'll pick SMU. Then the biggest favorite in the conference is Tulane, a 29-point favorite against Missouri State. Kicks off at 8 p.m., also on ESPN3. Which way would you go on that? 28 points for Tulane. Um, 29, I'd, excuse me. I'd, 
I don't know. I'd probably take Tulane. Why? I don't know. Why not? Just give me Tulane. Just a bunch of points. They hopefully, hopefully right. they have one of those sixty-two to nothing games. There you go. Perfect. All right. So we went through it. Anything else you want to wrap this bad boy up? Nah, man. Go, go Houston and go UCF. You can cheer for Temple. Mm. Those are two big ones. I hope Temple just becomes the most talked about team in the country this week when they knock off Maryland. Well, we will find out, that's for sure. All right, on that note, go Temple. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Underdog Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Underdog Dynasty. You follow me at Joe Serp. Joe at Joe Brovac. And until next week, thanks for listening to this Joe Talk. <laughs>